Welcome everyone to the Living Parables podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through His Word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning in the show today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate each and every single one of you, and now let us begin. Well, I'd like to welcome you back to a brand new week, brand new episode. I am very grateful that you are joining me today, and I hope the week is treating you well so far. And to every single person out there, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you all. And as a Christmas present, this episode is releasing two days early. And it still kind of stems back from the guilt of not doing it for very close to a month. So uh, you guys are awesome. I appreciate you all. And uh, we are back full steam ahead. And so I'm grateful for that. But today... We are diving into a subject that we have tapped into before, but I want to go at it at a different angle today. So today, the study is called The Beauty of Selflessness. I was blessed and privileged the last several months to have led Bible studies at church with the men. And this was one of the studies that we did. Now, this study could go on for hours and hours and hours. Or however long it takes us to get through this today. And this topic generates a lot of discussion. And it is very fruitful and edifying and also challenging, especially for us men. So today as we journey through the beauty of selflessness. Our main scripture text today is found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 7, which many of us have heard countless times on this very show. But let's go ahead and read that now. So Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 7. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. There's a lot to unpack in this passage of Scripture, but first I want to look at some of the, what these key words mean. So we're going to look at do nothing from selfishness. We're going to look at selfishness. The Greek word for that is erethia. It means acting for one's own gain, an act that places self-interest ahead of what the Lord declares, what is right, or what is good for others. We're going to look at empty conceit. It means vainglory, empty, or cheap pride. And the Greek word for that is kenodoxia. And lastly, we're going to look at is humility of mind. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I am not going to attempt this word (laughs) because it's, way too long 
even though I'm a teacher, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to try it. But regardless, you look it up and you give it a shot. But humility of mind here means lowliness of mind. It comes from the transformation and renewal of mind by the power of the Holy Spirit through the sanctifying word. So those three key words are what we just looked at in that passage of Scripture, which was only just the first two verses of Philippians 2, 3 through 7. But here's, here's the real thing, that we are called to be imitators of God. And you can find that in Ephesians 5, 1. And Paul tells us to imitate Christ Jesus, our Lord, as he imitates him in 1 Corinthians 1, 11. Today, we're going to look at our perfect example of selflessness and humility, and that is Jesus Christ himself. We're going to look at what he did and how that challenges us to follow our Lord. For we are called to walk just as he did. And you can find that in 1 John 2, 6. And actually, I'm going to read that for you right now. 1 John 2, 6 says, The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. And we know what that word walk means, to walk. It doesn't mean physically walking. It means to conduct your life or how to live your life. So we need to live our lives in the same manner as Christ Jesus did. That's why it's so important to be in the Scriptures every single day. So we're going to look at a couple parallels here. First, we're going to look at what Jesus Christ did. How did he show us this? Well, he showed us this by laying his life down for us. So we're going to look at a few passages of Scripture here. We're going to look at John 10. So turn with me to John 10. And as we are getting there, we'll be diving into 11 through 16. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. Now, I know that was a lot there, but here's what Jesus did to show us selflessness he laid his, his life down for us. So what he did here in John 10 is he laid his life down for his sheep. But he also brought in other sheep, the Gentiles, which are us. He brought us in. Jesus does not owe salvation to anybody but him being rich in mercy and immeasurable in grace, he offers salvation to all who repent with godly sorrow and put their complete trust and faith in Christ alone. That's powerful. Our true great shepherd cares for us. Listen to verse 13. Okay. He flees, talking about the hired hand, doesn't care for the sheep. 
He flees because he has a hired hand and does, is not concerned about the sheep or doesn't care for the sheep. Jesus cares for the sheep. He cares for you. That's why if you're listening to this right now, it's not an accident. That's why when you were bought by the blood of Christ and you repented and turned to Christ to, for salvation, I mean, that's grace. He cared for you. And he puts you in that position so you can hear the words of truth and let that penetrate the heart of stone and come to salvation in Christ. And now let's take a look at one of the main passages we're going to look at is 1 John 3.16, which says, We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And a little bit of a parallel verse here is John 15.12-13, which says, This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. See, Jesus showed us what love truly is by laying his life down. There is absolutely no greater love than what he demonstrated for us on the cross. So we look at what did Jesus do? Now, what are we to do? So we're going to do this twice now. So Jesus laid down his life for us. Here's a challenge and what we have to ask ourselves and challenge ourselves is what are we to do? Well, we are to lay our lives down for others. So I want you to look at 1 John 3, 16 again, but instead of focusing on the first half of it, now we're going to focus on the second half of it. It says, once again, we know love by this, that he laid his life down for us. There's what Jesus did now what are we to do and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren that word ought there in the greek is ophilo refers to being morally obligated or legally required to meet an obligation for example to pay off a legitimate debt so putting others above ourselves requires us to lay down our lives first this also requires complete humility as this does not come naturally what does come natural to us is putting ourselves above others. People in their carnality desire power and control over, over things and different aspects of life. But scripture tells us that we are to relinquish all false senses of power and control to the only one worthy of power and control. And that's Jesus Christ. There are those who think about compassion is a sense of taking care of yourself first, then others. Now that, that's the mantra of today. If this were the case with Jesus, then none of us would be saved. Jesus would have cried out to the Father, commanded legions of angels to come down and eradicate every single person that didn't believe in him and you know what? He would have been justified in doing so. He would have, I, I, Let's make that clear. He would have been justified in doing that. Those The scoffers, the people that called him a demon-possessed Samaritan, uh, the people that were plotting to kill him, those of us that 
that would turn their backs on Christ being so deep in the faith and then just walking away because they love the world more than they do Christ. He would have been justified in, in sending down angels and wiping everybody out. That's not what he did. See, laying down your lives for others is in fact regarding others as more important than your, ourselves and looking out for the interests of others. And that's what Christ did. And we are Christ-like when we humble ourselves and place others above our own selves. And that, my friends, is so very challenging. And two verses I just really want to touch on extremely quick are Romans 12.10 and Ephesians 5.21. So if you need to pause it and go back, go ahead and do that. But I'm going to read these kind of in rapid-fire succession here. Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, Give preference to one another in honor. In Ephesians 5.21, it says, And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. See, that's how we're supposed to be towards one another. We're devoted to one another, being subject to one another, give preference to one another in honor. That sounds a lot like Philippians chapter 2, 3-7. through seven. So, let's kind of go over the first half of this so far. The first half is we're talking about Christ laying down his life. Then what are we to do? So what did Jesus do? Laid his life down. What are we to do? We are laid our lives down for our brothers. Now, we're going to look at the other aspect of this. What Jesus did. We're going to look at back to our main text here in Philippians 2, 3 through 7. And this was so powerful. Let's look at 5 through 7 again. So Philippians 2, 5 through 7 says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Here's the attitude. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But here it is. Emptied himself. He emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men. Jesus made himself nothing, although he is everything. He gave up divine privileges. He veiled his heavenly glory in human form as a form of a bondservant, which, again, anytime you see that, it's going to be translated more often than not. It's going to be translated as doulos, which means slave. So listen to this. But emptied himself taking the form of a slave. That changes the game. So if God Almighty himself made himself less, veiled his glory, was selfless and humble and regarded us as more important than himself, and he took the form of a slave... For our sake, how much more are we to do this for other people? It's convicting. You can't argue with it. If the Son of God did that, how much more are we to do that? So let's get back to the second point here. So what did Jesus Christ do? He had the attitude of a servant or a slave. Now, we already read Philippians 2, 6-7. We actually read five through seven, 
But I want to read you Mark 10, 45. Mark 10, 45 says this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. This verse alone makes me stand still in awe and wonder. The King of kings and Lord of lords, who is timeless, perfect, sovereign, omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient, all of those things, who deserves all praise, honor, and glory, and power, cho- chose to serve rather than to be served? What king would ever choose to lower themselves and serve the servants? No king that I can recall. And here's the thing. Christ was not concerned with pleasing himself. If you, if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and you see all the things that Jesus was doing, I mean, he was exhausting himself, healing people, uh, preaching the kingdom. I mean, nonstop. You're, not, you're never going to find a harder worker than him. That's why he is the absolute perfect model for us as Christians, because sometimes we get fixated on you know, the apostles and, and you know, some of these biblical heroes that maybe we can relate to a little bit more with. But I got news for you. It's it's all about Jesus Christ. Because, you know, sometimes people can glorify, you know, the Apostle Paul or Peter or John more than they ought to. And it's Christ that we have to look to. But I um I want to say this again. What king would ever choose to lower themselves and serve the servants. I just, when I wrote that up, and it's nothing that I did that's, you know, like, oh, wow, that was that was so smart. That was a great question. I asked that, and I just sat back and just like, whoa. I mean, I try to ask myself those questions, and it, it just blows me away that he would do that. Listen, Listen to... Romans 15, 3. For even Christ did not did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. And that word reproach, we don't use that too often anymore, but it's an insult aimed to damage or disgrace reputation. He took that upon himself. You know, oftentimes as parents, we will say to our children, if I could take this sickness from you, I would. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. So that is just powerful in itself. So what did Jesus do? He had the attitude of a servant. He came to serve rather than to be served. That's that's so powerful. So what are we to do? Well, number one, we're to learn from Jesus on how to serve God and one another. I want you to listen to Matthew eleven twenty nine. This is Jesus talking. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We need to learn from Christ. Number two, 
we need to learn from one of the most greatest examples of humble servitude, and that is Jesus washing the, the feet of the disciples. You can find that whole story in John 13, 5 through 20, but we're going to focus on three verses here, 13, 14, and 15. Listen to this. This is Jesus talking again. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Jesus, who is the Lord, he humbled himself enough to wash the feet of the disciples. If he did that, we who are not the Lord, not perfect, not righteous, not holy, we ought to do that exact same act of service for one another. So Jesus gave us the example, the model, the pattern, and the blueprint. Verse 15, it doesn't get any clearer than that. Because he says, I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. I showed you the example. Now you go do it. It's just like what a teacher does. I do that every single day. We should follow his example of service and loving humility. I tell my students every single day, watch me how I interact with teachers, how I interact with other people, and do as I do. Now that's a very, very serious thing. And I take that very serious because they're watching me every moment of the day. How do I handle injustice? How do I handle teacher to teacher interactions? I'm telling them not to cuss. I'm telling them not to talk dirty or filthy or foul. Am I doing what I'm saying that I'm doing? Am I, am I following up my words with action that back that up? The end of verse 15 is not a suggestion, it's a command. My question is, do you have a problem with that? A lot of people do. What about those who despise us? Do we still do that to them? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that could that could be another study that stems off from this at some point. But here's the, here's the reality. We cannot do this on our own strength. So here's the next part of this. The Lord strengthens us and puts us into his service. Listen to 1 Timothy 1.12. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. See, Jesus doesn't just teach us and just say, okay, off you go. He gives us his Holy Spirit to enable us to live the Christian life that we cannot live on our own. He gives us the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit illumines the scripture to us to make it clear and understandable so that we can go and obey it, that we can go serve people, that the people that we have in our lives that despise us and hate us for no reason, that we can love them, we can lay our lives down for them. Because at one point 
in our lives, we were God-haters too. Every single person on this planet, at one point or another, that has become a Christian, was hostile to God. And so, Jesus made the way. He's the example. He showed us the act of service that we're supposed to do. And here's the deal. He he doesn't says he doesn't just demand it and expect it. He gives us a way to do it. And we don't have to do it alone. We never do anything alone. Remember, that's why we always say everything is in Christ, with Christ, and for Christ. Now listen to Galatians 5:13. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. We have to serve others through love and not just the, you know, the touchy feely love. None of that stuff. That's not real love. The agape love found in 1 Corinthians 13. If you want to go back to our love series, go back and find out what true love really is because that's the kind of love that we are to serve one another. And what is that? Just briefly, it's kind, patient, not jealous, not bragging, not arrogant, not rude, not seeking its own, not provoked, not keeping a record of wrongs, not rejoicing in unrighteousness, but rejoicing in the truth, bears hopes and believes all things, and it never fails. That's the kind of love that we need to serve one another with, but we don't. We serve one another that will give us a leg up, that will give us an advantage, that that will benefit our own selves rather than for the goodness of others, for the personal interests of others, regarding them more important than themselves. Is that starting to ring a bell? See how how we have to have a transformed and renewed mind that comes through the scriptures, through the Holy Spirit. Listen to Mark 10, 42 through 44. Calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, you know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles, lorded over them. And their great men exercise authority over them. Here is verse 33. But it is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. See, verse 42 is an unbeliever. We naturally want power. We naturally want the fear of others. But as believers, that's not this way. See, Jesus says, verse 42, see, that's them. 43 and 44, that's not you, though. You want to be great? Be a servant. You want to be first place? Be a servant to all. Be a slave to everybody. See, We have that natural tendency. Jesus teaches us to be different because as he didn't come to be served but to serve, his desires need to become our desires. We obey our Lord, and part of that is to imitate the way he spoke, he loved, and how he served others. Again, wrap your minds around this, brothers and sisters, that if he came to serve, and not to be served, and he's the only one worthy of service, then how much more are we to do that? 
verse 43, going back to it, says that 42 is not the way we're supposed to be. So our desire should never be the greatest or to be in first place. That is only reserved for Christ Jesus our Lord. See, we die to self and place Christ and others far above ourselves, and that just does not come natural. But I want to take you back to the Old Testament now. But I want you to listen to this. This kind of sums it up. 1 Samuel 12, 23-24 says, But I will instruct you in the good and right way. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things He has done for you. I mean, wow. You want to know what the good and right way is? Fear the Lord, serve Him in truth with all of your heart. And consider the great things He's done for us. I mean, if you're breathing right now, that's His grace and mercy and patience. Listen to Revelation 22, 3-4. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. And His bondservants will serve Him, and they will see His face. And his name will be on their foreheads. The question is, are you one of his slaves? And we don't like that word. We do not like that word. But if we serve him faithfully until the very end, we will see his face. And that's the goal of every believer, to stand in the presence of God, forever worshiping him, praising him for the great things he has done. Listen to John 12, 26. Jesus says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. Follow his example, his words, his teachings, his love. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. If we serve Christ, we're going to see his face and He will honor us. How great is that? And this is the ultimate goal of a slave of Christ. Here it is. Matthew 25, 21 says, His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. So, as we conclude, What's the biggest takeaway? Life isn't about you. It isn't about me. It isn't all about what we want, what we don't have, what our opinions are, and the emotions that drive our selfishness. It's about Jesus Christ and others. It's about serving Christ with our whole hearts and serving others. Yes, we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, for sure. You can read that in Philippians 2.12. But part of that is encouraging the brethren, edifying those around us, and living a life of faith backed up by spiritual deeds of fruit, the fruit of obedience and good works that honor God. I've heard many people talk, and their speech is very self-centered and focused on self. They've adopted the newest you know, catchphrases and buzz phrases and philosophical thoughts. And I'm going to say this here. As the world drifts farther away from God and his word, we must be diligent and steadfast in Christ to not be pulled away with the world that faces the judgment and wrath of God. The world and all its evil desires are attractive, but focus 
of self. It sounds good on the surface, but God and his word is our only true authority. We need to daily choose to die to self so that Christ and others can be exalted. And when we exalt Christ and others, we will find that life is more than what we thought joy is. It becomes that much more greater. And joy abounds. See, we think life is good now, but we, when we exalt Christ and others, we have that abundant joy, that abundant life that Jesus talks about in John 10.10. 10. And that abundant life is only found in Christ. He laid his life down for us and his disciples, and we must do the same. So with that being said, I hope you have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We'll be kick-starting off 2023, God willing. And it'll be a great time of hitting the ground running. We have a lot of stuff in store. So with that being said, I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. Everything is in Christ, with Christ, and for Christ. And until next time, God bless you all.